Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dropping Dimes. This is the weekly the show where we talk about all things basketball. I'm your host, Rodrigo, but you can call me up. And back from Olympus via New York City, it is the one, the only. Blake, how are you doing, man? I am doing good, Rod. It is so great to be back. I know it's uh, been, been a few weeks since I've been able to yeah. pop on as well, too. But, uh, you know, I've, I've not, you know, been away too far, you know, just traveling a few different places, you know, was in Greece. Amazing time there as well, too. So New York City at the moment and so happy to finally be back. How was Greece? It's on my bucket list of places to go. Greece was amazing. So uh, for, for any of our listeners that have not been or have been, uh, definitely, you know, what a wonderful spot it was. I would say it exceeded my personal expectations, which was which was saying something because my wife and I were super pumped. We've been looking forward to this trip for two years now. So uh, I got to go to Santorini, which is a great island uh, off the coast there. And obviously we were in Athens, which is home to none other than Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who I, I'm sure we'll be talking about later on in this episode. And with saying that, too, I actually, as I was there, Rod, I, I was able to purchase, I know I sent to you, yes. a Giannis actually Greece uh, kind of national team t-shirt slash jersey. Uh, with jersey. Shirt, oh, great term. Jersey. Yeah. I love it right through there. And that That's was awesome. that was probably the jewel of the trip because I was like, there's no way I can get this here unless I've tried to find yeah. it online. So, and I've already worn it a couple of times. So definitely good. That that was actually, yeah, that's a very nice find because I think at least here on the on the Nike website, I've seen the uh, the Greek the Greek national team jersey for basketball, and it has the 34, but it doesn't say at the Tukumpo on the back. It was just like implied that there was Yanis. Oh yeah, yeah. This one, yeah, this one had the Antetokounmpo on yeah. the back as well too. And there, they had another one. It actually had it in Greek uh, kind of lettering. And I regret not getting that one, like oh. on the front, because that would have been authentic. And, and I do want a real quick mention for our listeners that love uh, European basketball and kind of following the Euroleague and things as well too. In Greece, many people may know this as well too. The rivalry, the biggest in Greece, is uh, two teams in Athens, Pantheonikos and Olympiakos. And I came to learn that it is a very heated rivalry, probably more than any I have ever kind of witnessed in terms of just hearing about, like to the point where I went and bought a Pantheonikos uh, kind of like jersey from a, a soccer one as well too that they had. And the person there, I was like, oh, uh, here the rival with Olympiakos. They're like, don't say that name. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> like in, in a very casual way, but they're like, we, we don't talk about them. And, and even like came down to, they would call them like the color. They would say red, which is their code. They would do anything. They would never say their name throughout that. Like it's that die hard. It is That's an amazing awesome. rivalry. And not too long ago, I mean, we were totally going on a tangent. I don't mind whatsoever, but uh, yeah, uh, not yet. Sorry. Uh, Kevin Durant was present at a uh, EuroLeague game, basketball EuroLeague game, where there were flares and you know, it had that soccer feeling to it. And if I'm not mistaken, actually, I can't remember now if it was Turkey or Greece. And if it was Greece, it was obviously Olympiakos versus Panathinaikos, uh, where if you just Google it on YouTube, uh, like Panathinaikos versus Olympiakos uh, basketball game, you can see this is from like 10 years ago, but the entire stadium is jumping at the same time, like everyone in their stands. And it's just, it's A, hypnotic, and B, kind of scary and exciting at the same time. Like, I, I if I were a, uh, a player from the opposite team, I, I would have been terrified. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you think just, like, how intimidating that is as well, too? And I know we were talking to WhatsApp, and I was like, oh, can you imagine if this was in an NBA game? And <laughs> uh, I think Kevin Rent with, with the video you're, you're referring to there with the flares out there, he's like, man, if this happened in, 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 in an NBA game, they'd be locked up in prison. <laughs> you just can't 100%. bring flares to, yeah. to an arena kind of yeah, that yeah. as well, too. So, uh, but, yeah, it, it, was, it was an amazing time. Not to take away from soccer, because obviously, you know, that's hundreds of people. You know, the stadiums are massive, but, you know, imagine – to a degree, the same thing, but in an enclosed arena, the echo and everything, like that, that was, it must be terrifying and exciting at the same time. Oh, yeah. I think I'm hearing right now a dropping dimes EuroLeague uh, experience. In the I future. think so. I, I can see that. Yeah, I think it's coming together now. Yeah, <laughs> international trip. Let's, let's make it happen. A hundred percent. All right. Well, we're very glad to have you back, Blake. We miss you and, you know, Luckily, Zeus and Poseidon sent you back safely our way. Um, there's a ton that we have to catch up on, especially now in the second round of the playoffs. We're going to talk about each of the series. So I'm not going to spoil it. We're just going to get right into it. And we're going to talk about probably the most exciting slash boring game I've seen in a while, where the Golden State Warriors got absolutely destroyed, smashed, pounded, uh, steamrolled, uh, run over, you name it, by the Memphis Grizzlies at the border of, you know, they were just trying to save their season, and they ended up, obviously, the, the final score was already scandalous, they ended up winning by 39, but at one point in the third quarter, the Memphis Grizzlies were up by 50 points, 50 points against the Golden State Warriors. Blake, are the Warriors going to choke? Was this... You know, what happened? Did they forget to play basketball? Did they whoop that trick? I don't know. What happened? So I have to say this by far in at least my earliest recollection throughout that too is one of the most surprising results that I have seen in a while within an NBA game as well too. I was I was not expecting this. And for anyone that was no, expecting no this, please let me know your next winning Powerball numbers because, uh, <laughs> because you have some sort of uh, ability within that. Because I don't think a single soul, except for maybe Memphis Grizzlies fans, saw this coming throughout there. Please let us know so we can know who's lying. Because no, exactly. one, no one could have seen that coming. No uh, one throughout that. I have a, call, a mutual colleague. Uh, I'm not going to name his name, but uh, he's been betting on the playoffs and he's been asking me, Bad idea because I don't bet, but I, you know, I was telling him my 
what I thought would happen. And as he was asking me if I can't remember what was the over under on the spread, but I think it was the Warriors by eight or 10 points. And I said, no, I, I would not bet on the Warriors because I think the Grizzlies will go out try to save their season. Uh, so I can, you know, I, I can see a tight game. Um, I was like, oh, okay. I, he ended up uh, betting, you know, for the Warriors to take a 10 point lead. And I texted him halfway through the game. I'm like, I think you should have listened to me, man. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think it was a, a big bet where, you know, where the, uh, the return was huge, but I was like, you could have saved five, ten dollars, whatever you bet. Oh, absolutely. And, and like, and again, the surprising thing for it was not necessarily as much that the, the Grizzlies obviously won the game, which I personally did think that the Warriors uh, were, were going to win. Uh, I think we've all been definitely surprised how well they've continued to play the Grizzlies, that is, even without Ja Morant. You know, the Warriors obviously won the previous game, but only by a slim margin, three points, and obviously at home. So uh, knew that they had fight coming into this, but 39 points, like that is a shellacking. Like, and as you said, just up 50 at one point. Like, I remember last night as I was kind of laying down into bed and kind of in the hotel here, and I was had the game on. I'm like, what, what's happening? And it wasn't like they just – they were on fire. You know, the Grizzlies were hitting everything. Obviously, the Warriors were – kind of struggling to kind of get their, their their buckets down as well too you know I mean you kind of look at Stephen Curry only had 14 in the game Draymond Green five points as well too and even Jordan Poole off the bench who's kind of been a, a great spark you know whether he's starting or not had three points so they couldn't hit anything it, it was bizarre absolutely bizarre you know this is a team that for a little bit there uh Maybe before the All-Star break, maybe right after the All-Star break, we were thinking, you know, they are the the Phoenix Suns are the contenders and, and title favorites, or at least to come out of the West. Uh, but you know, we would never bet against the Warriors. And throughout the first round and a couple of games in the second round, with you know, against the Grizzlies, we've seen that you know, the Warriors dominating them. I mean, game uh, four, they they won by 20 points, 20-ish points. And that's when I said, like, well, I, I don't see how the Grizzlies, you know, maybe they, they'll put up a fight for sure, um, but they're not going to win. They're not going to be up by 50, you know, in the third quarter. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, by not expecting that at all. So, and again, kudos to the Grizzlies, obviously played amazing kind of throughout that, obviously. And, and I feel like not only did they play great, obviously, and even defensively, but everything was clicking for them. They had six players that were in double uh, figures in scoring throughout that as well, too. So, like, top to bottom, I think the only one player that actually entered the game, Jarrett Culver, did not score a point. But everyone else, you know, was kind of hitting. But, I mean, kudos to the Grizzlies. You know, it's hard when you lose someone like John Morant that is, you know, obviously such an amazing player. And when he went down, I think most people, including myself, thought – you know, they don't have much of a chance, you know, they, they obviously are a great fighting team, but when you lose someone of that caliber, it's hard to kind of recover, but look at the way they've been playing now with your uh, question at the beginning, Rod, do I think that, you know, the Warriors are, are in a, in a world of hurt right now? I don't, you know, I think that they will win the next game at home. I can't see them losing back to back, but especially with this next one being on home courts, I do see them kind of pulling it out on the next one. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be, out of the realm of possibilities that you know we see a, a comeback from a three one deficit it happened against the warriors ironically oh god i i don't know what has to happen maybe zeus poseidon athena and all the great gods have to come together to make that happen again 
Uh, and it would be hilarious that it would, that it would be against the Warriors. I don't see it happening in all truth and, and you know, in all honesty, because maybe this was the game the, the Grizzlies were like, we're going to go all out, all in, all in and all out, you know, to avoid elimination. And I don't know how many of those they have. And, you know, it took the Warriors playing at a, at a abysmal level for the Grizzlies to survive. So I don't know, you know, but it does make me question if the Warriors are have what they what it takes to get to the finals. And I will agree with you that. And I, and I will say I was the one kind of going back to earlier, uh, you know, throughout the season, kind of the midway point. I said that the Golden State Warriors were going to be the NBA champions this season and were the team to beat. And I'm I'm not faltering from that, but I will say I, I am a bit nervous now on that earlier prediction that I had just with some of these performances. But obviously with Steve Kerr and obviously the team they have, I, I think they can still get through that as well, too. But as we see kind of the likes of how some, you know, obviously how they are against the Grizzlies right here too. And then looking at, you know, how the, the Suns are playing in that great series with obviously Dallas there too, does make me question a bit, but, uh, but yeah, interesting to see through there too, but kudos to the Grizzlies, how, how well they've hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how this was their worst fault, but definitely the Grizzlies didn't back down, you know, they were facing elimination. They had their backs against the walls without their star player and they came out guns blazing. They, they were not intimidated by, you know, these are still the sort of the dynasty warriors, right? Like Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, obviously Clay is sort of coming back after two years, but like Jordan Poole, like you mentioned him, he's been key in this series coming out of the bench. Uh, so, you know, I think the Grizzlies could have very well just mailed it in and certainly they didn't. And they survived one more game to fight off elimination. I personally, I, I now understand Evans. Evans, every time I ask Evans, you know, mm-hmm. who, who do you got on the series? He said, game seven. And it frustrates me. But <laughs> this year where I have no force in this race, I, I get him. I was like, yes, give me a game seven. Like, can you imagine how juicy that game seven would be between oh, the Grizzlies and the Warriors? I would love that. That would be amazing to see. I, I, I personally would love, just as we are basketball fans, would love to kind of see that as well, too. So I'm hoping for it. I'm rooting for it as well, too. So let's see. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Warriors. But oh, it was so fun. Then, you know, Draymond trying to troll the fans. I, I thought it was frustration. That he was dancing to, you know, because obviously then the inner inner DJ played that. I didn't even know what's the song, whoop that trick. Uh, and Draymond started dancing and like trying to uh, embrace, I guess, the, the, the mocking. But I, I don't, in my opinion, this is just me, you know, Draymond should have just sat down because, uh, dude, you're getting absolutely destroyed right now. Like, I get it, you want to just like, get back at the fans, but you know, you gotta give credit where credit is due and they beat you fair and square. Oh, absolutely. And it's, yeah, I, I completely agree on that as well too. Like, 
obviously he's Draymond loves, you know, having fun and obviously going to fans. And I, I, I like that aspect of him as well too. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, if it were me, obviously you're down as you are in a game like that as well too. There's not much to, to dance about too much as well too. And I think with some of the series, there's, you know, people even talking about with, with John Morant, you know, as he is obviously such a great player as he is, but his energy and he's kind of dancing on the court during his shots, which I love by the way, as yeah. he kind of does that. But I, I think that's kind of, you know, kind of mocking that in, in a sense, but you know, it is what it is. It's been, I, you know, this series has set up a, a bit of a rivalry between these teams now. So yeah. whatever happens, it will be very interesting next year when they face off during the regular season, you know, I like that this rivalry is now brewing and you know it's come to this point because I, I'm a huge fan of rivalries. We just talked about how it, it all works in Europe where you don't even mention the other team's name. Um, and I like that environment. Obviously, you know, we don't have to escalate things. You know, yes, let's play around the rivalries, let's you know, hate on each other, but let's not get hurt or, or throw things at each other. Uh, but I like that aspect of like, no, you don't you dare speak their name in my house. Yeah, don't, don't, don't even bring that up. Yeah, yeah. you can't, can't take it to that level as well, too. Uh, anything else on this whopping result from yesterday on the Warriors and the Grizzlies? Like, Shocking is an understatement. And uh, Evs, let's hope for game seven. Oh, if that happens, whoever placed a bet, I don't think there would be anyone. But if there's anyone that placed a bet on game seven, it, oh. Oh, yeah. And I will say kudos to the 18% of our Dropping Dimes listeners that actually selected for the Grizzlies to win that game last night as well, too. So well done on that selection. 18% of believers. You were right. You were absolutely right. So shout out to Grizz Nation. Uh, before that, we also had an exciting game between the Bucs and the Celtics yesterday, where if it hadn't been for Drew Holiday on two key plays on the defensive player of the year, I think last night was just full of Ironies, uh, the Bucks sealed the win against the Celtics after a scary fourth quarter for the Bucks. Uh, Drew Holiday came in clutch with a block on the last possession on the Celtics. Actually, the second to last possession of the Celtics. Then Pat Connaughton sank two free throws. And then again, Drew Holiday, with, without fear, without any hesitation, and even in, in uh, over the foul limit, he went for the steal, got the clean steal out of Marcus Smart, and the Bucks go ahead in the series again, three to two. What are your thoughts on Drew showing the defensive player of the year how it's done? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, Drew Holiday is like a timeless wonder. Like he's one of those players. Like I feel like he's been around like for so long. Like in a yeah. sense, but like he he still continues to just all me like and still perform like he reminds me a little bit of Kyle Lowry in the sense like you're not going to go with and get 30 every night you know but I mean uh, people rally around you you're going to make those key plays and you want that person on your team like he was you know obviously Giannis you know had 40 points 11 rebounds so obviously a little bit yeah <laughs> obviously as he has been been a force this whole series in the playoffs so actually leading the playoffs right now and in, in scoring actually but yeah I mean Drew Holiday by far was kind of the winner and I will say Rod I think the play at the end there is probably one of the best defensive plays I've seen this season. And I'm talking about the one where he went up, he actually uh, uh, blocked Marcus smart as he kind of went up and drove to the basket and then kind of got the ball and threw it oh, off yeah, of him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like to, to have that awareness, just to sit there, get the block as well, to recover the ball and still throw it off the defender and get the possession back. Like that was an amazing play. I mean, he's been fantastic. I, I'm afraid that, you know, that, and you're right. I totally forgot to mention that not only did he block Marcus White, he went for the ball, sort of found himself at, at the end line, jumped out of bounds and then bounced the ball off Marcus Smart to get the ball back. So the like you, you just mentioned it, the awareness to make all of that happen, it just speaks of the level of uh, the defensive IQ that Drew Holiday has. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like most people, and again, I'm saying most as I'm thinking myself, someone who <laughs> not even close to touching an NBA court other than <laughs> not even in the stands. I'm, I'm, I'm in the nosebleeds up there. So, uh, but just that awareness, you know, you get the block and that's kind of what you think about right there, too. And like you said, just awareness to get the ball, kind of threw it off, too. But yeah, he, he's been fantastic just the way he's played 24 points as well, too. And I think one thing for the Celtics, like to blow a lead as they did, I mean, they were up 14 yeah. points there in the fourth quarter as well too like they had that game sealed and now obviously they're going back to milwaukee uh with a, a do or die and it, that puts them in a very tough situation which they have two great players in tatum and brown tatum who i know you are very fond of by the way rod <laughs> uh throughout this one too who can help them through there uh but it's tough you know backs against the wall i really much i thought the the winner was having this series after seeing the, the celtics just destroying the nets um I just thought that without Middleton, the Bucks might have been in trouble. And at times they look like, you know, they're missing that one piece. But now I wonder, you know, and this is in a, in a separate multiverse where Middleton is healthy. Does it even go this long? You know, do the Bucks even need six games to get rid of the Celtics? Um, and the Celtics, yeah, like you said, you know, they're one piece away from you know, being absolute contenders and from, you know, just taking ownership of the East. They're a very strong team. I I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's maturity because, you know, this group has been together for a while now. They have Al Horford, in, you know, as a leader, as a veteran leader or a veteran presence at least. Uh, and Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus, they, they all have they have experience now. So I wonder what it is that they need to get to just get to that extra step that they need to completely own the East. Yeah. And it, it, and I think, you know, especially going into this series, I think people, you know, and I may be overstepping this, but I feel like coming into this series before starting with the Bucks, many people after seeing what the Celtics did to the Nets by sweeping them in the first round, probably thought the Celtics may be title favorites or at yeah. least getting to, to the finals from that too, just how they played through that too. And then, yeah, you see obviously here, the Bucks, like you said, without, you know, someone like Chris Middleton, who is, you know, a very integral part to their team and just the way that they're playing. And it's not, the Celtics are kind of, you know, the, the saying shooting themselves in the foot, they've kind of blown this a couple of times and um, you know, throughout the series. And again, I will say the Celtics obviously have been without Robert Williams, the third, who's obviously a, a big anchor down low for them as, as a center. So he hasn't played, you know, the past few games, which, you know, someone you need, especially, you know, the game last night where they were offensively out rebounded, you know, 17 offensive rebounds to five, you know, in terms of uh, looking at that as well too. So, um, but yeah, I'm personally, by the way, I will say this. I really hope the Celtics pull it out only because selfishly, because where I still live in New Hampshire, if the Celtics win and the Miami Heat win, they play each other, which means oh, I'm going to try see. to go to a playoff game. I am going to 
be sure I can be <laughs> present there to see the heat throughout that. So that is the one reason I am hoping this happens. I don't blame you for wishing that. I would have wished the same selfishly. Um, if there was any team close, I guess the, the Blazers are the close team, but yeah, I, I would wish that as well. So, oh, but I don't want to root for the Celtics. Oh, Blake, why do you put me in this situation, man? Makes sense. I want you, you. I want you to go to a playoffs game, but it's the Celtics. Ah, yeah. Kudos to Yanis, you know, 40 points, a bloody eye. Uh, he's been, you know, nothing short of spectacular. I don't think he's getting the, as much love as, you know, I think we're just used to Yanis being Yanis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't get talked so much. And obviously, the, the last positions with Drew Holiday being just locking down everyone and those key plays, you know, obviously deserve more attention. But uh, I just noticed that, you know, it just feels like we're just so used to Yanis being absolutely amazing that we just go like, oh, well, here, you know, another 40 night, uh, another 40 point night for Yanis. And, you know, yeah, let's see what else he can do. He, yeah, I mean, it's, it's insane just how great of a player he is just, and again, just what he does, obviously a freak athlete, you know, the Greek freak in himself too. But uh, like you said, I think we're just so accustomed to it as well too. And obviously, you know, and one of the knocks, I guess you say, not that it's a knock about Giannis, but that people talk about is you may not always see flashiness. You know, he is amazing driving to the back basket, obviously getting dunks, laying up scores. He's improved his shooting a bit, but, you know, Stephen Kurt, you know, people love the, the, the three pointers and obviously the outside. So maybe not as, you know, attractiveness from a dunk standpoint as well too, but just such a force and such a player that, uh, yeah, it's been incredible seeing him perform. So you're hoping for the Celtics to take it on the end? Hoping for it, but I think the Bucks are going to close the series in the next game. I, I don't, this, this is a tough one to predict for me because, you know, both teams have lost at home. I do think the, the Bucks are starting to feel good about themselves, especially, you know, Drew sort of being, I feel like he got into Marcus Smart's head a little bit. Uh, so I don't know if that will play any role. Uh, but, yeah, if I had to put money into it, I would say, yeah, Bucks win it uh, in Milwaukee. There you have it, folks. Bucks, uh, Bucks in six. Uh, let, let's see how our predictions turn out through there. All right. Well, let, let's take a, a short break talking about playoffs and let's talk about, uh, well, I don't know if it was a controversial topic, but certainly something that made the rounds in social media and especially in the inside the NBA uh, studio with Shaq, Chuck, Ernie, and the Jet. And that is that I can't remember right now, forgive me, please, your audience, uh, in which podcast it was asked, or Shaq was asked if he thought that Rudy Gobert uh, would be able to stop Shaq, you know, in his playing days. And Shaq obviously said that he wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, but then, you know, go back to the inside the NBA studio, TNT, uh, Charles Barkley said that he thought that Rudy Gobert would be able to stop Shaq and limit him to 12 points, to which Shaq said, yeah, 12 points in three minutes maybe. And we know that Shaq is not Gobert's number one fan. You know, he thinks that he's a little soft. And, you know, this comes also, as I say this, I'm not Rudy Gobert's number one fan, but, Blake, do you think in, you know, let's, I don't know if we're seeing prime Rudy. I I really don't know. I don't know what, you know, post-prime Rudy might look like, but prime Rudy Gobert, would he be able to stop prime Shaquille O'Neal? 
with all due respect, Rudy Gobert, not a chance. I, I, I do not yes, see that happening you. through there, thank too. Uh, again, no disrespect, Rudy, because, you know, well, I, yes, disrespect. Uh, yes, disrespect. I, I'm, I'm a Rudy <laughs> fan. You know, I'm, I'm Rudy, you know, Utah Jazz, as I said, they don't get enough love. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, Shaq in his prime is was, as we all know, a, a monster. I mean, when you kind of look at some of that, too. And again, Rudy Gobert, uh, in my mind, an amazing defensive player. I mean, obviously, shown it to be able to do that too i mean offensively maybe a bit more of a, a lacking thing from there too but an amazing defensive player um but when you look at again someone like shaquille o'neal who in my opinion is probably the most physical nba player um of all time in my personal opinion i the mean most just dominant as, right oh absolutely i mean and, and, and it showed that as well too and i just think that Rudy Gobert, no Rudy Gobert. You put any other player there, they're going to have a hard time to get Shaq, and he's going to get the better of them. I mean, look at these statistics. Let's look at this right here, too. I, I pulled this up beforehand. I tried to get the conversions out there as well, too. From a height standpoint, they are both 7'1", or 2.16 meters. But obviously, Shaq clearly had the weight. So 324 pounds, 146 kg, where Rudy <laughs> Gobert is 258, 117 kg. So clearly has the weight factor there too i just don't think gobert can kind of match up with that i i do mean disrespect i do mean to be disrespectful to rudy gobert there's no way in hell that rudy gobert would have been able to stop shakun oh not even a chance and maybe late career shack you know when you know celtic shack phoenix shack maybe yeah um but i don't think you know Early, you know, definitely Orlando Shaq, no way, absolutely no way. That man grabbed a rebound, took it all the length of the court, and then destroyed backboards. Do you think there's anyone out there? I, I honestly think the only other athlete retired, dead or alive, that might might be able to stand, you know, that freight that freight train is Giannis. Giannis has the speed, the length, and the strength to potentially bother Shaquille O'Neal. Early Lakers Shaq, absolutely no way. Uh, Three-peat Shaq, you know, yeah, he was getting a little bit heavier, but he could still jump. He could still take you down the post. There was no way. Even Miami Shaq, you know, a little bit older, uh, not as athletic, definitely, but he was still, you know, throwing bodies left and right. Doesn't matter who was in front of them. So, so I have to say, so go bear Shaq. You, you have five baskets and Sha Shaquille O'Neal, five attempts that he's got to score against Gobert right here. Over or under two defensive stops by Gobert? Under. Under? Yeah. Would you, be, would you put $100,000 on the line for that? Uh, yeah. I, I think oh, I would, that yeah. confidence. Okay. There's, like you know, uh, Gobert's length, athleticism, but if you give him prime Shaq, yep. if you give prime Shaq, Shaq uh, oof, I don't, I don't know if that if Gobert is, is even a challenge because you know Shaq battled against David Robinson, uh, against Hakeem, against Hakeem other Bay. great centers, right? Yep. Like, that was the era of the big men, uh, mm -hmm. Yao Ming. I'm not Patrick, saying that Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing, you know, it wasn't like there were no other big guys around. Obviously, uh, it's lower by today's standards, but 
Shaq's footwork was really good. Uh, I just don't see how Colbert with, you know, his frame, and I'm not saying that Colbert is a bum, you know, every time that I make fun of a player here, by no means, I, I would never be able to achieve uh, 2% of what they can do. They're amazing people and they deserve to be where they are and more probably. But I just don't see physically, honestly, physically, how could Ro- how could Gobert stop Shaq? Uh, agreed. And, and and I think that's the thing. So again, uh, you know, obviously Gobert has shown, obviously the defensive player that he is. But when you look at Shaq, as you're talking about, just from a physical standpoint and just how big he was, both weight and height, but he was muscular and he was athletic. And that's something that was head and shoulders, you know, above many players of the time, you know, throughout that. And even to this day where you don't really have someone that's a true center like that too much anymore now, like it's kind of died down where the positions obviously changed a lot as well too. I know this comparison may raise eyebrows for your ride, but I'm going to say, when you look at someone that reminds me of him, and I don't mean it to a T because it's a completely different player in the style of play, but Zion Williamson, and hear me out on this. I don't, I don't mean it in the sense of obviously the dominant player that Shaq was, or obviously, you know, not going to get an MVP in my opinion, but someone that has that, not as tall as Shaq clearly, but obviously yeah. weight on his side, but still a freak athlete that can jump, you know, someone that really transcends, you know, that kind of the, the, the build in a sense. And I see some of that with Shaq in a sense from a physicality standpoint, the similarities there. I, I you know, actually, I, it does raise eyebrows in terms of the, you know, talent and what we, we've seen from Zion. For but, sure. But I, I do see the physical uh, comparison for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, even without Shaq's height, uh, do you think that Gobert will be able to stop Zion? Yes. Oh, okay. I do. And then the reason for it. Uh, so obviously Zion can jump out of the sky and, and obviously he's a great physical specialist as well, too. I think where he lacks against Gobert. Zion, what, 6'8", I think, something like that, 6'8", six, 6'8", six, like or yeah. sorry, uh, yeah, thing. Uh, obviously, Gobert's got a few inches or, or, or meters kind of, or kind of within that on him as well, too, but his wingspan, and I'm going to apologize because I don't have the wingspan converted to meters, but 7'9", seven, 7'9", okay, nine, and yeah. so, and I think that just in itself, especially when you're down low, Gobert has such an advantage on him for that as well, too, and I'm not going to say that Zion's not going to get a dunk off on him or anything like that as well, too. Yeah. But I think there's definitely an advantage of that. Just looking at the height standpoint, the wingspan, because Zion didn't really have a big wingspan as well, too, versus someone like a Shaq. So I do think Gobert has that edge there. I also have a, an interesting point here to Gobert's point, which is weird for me to say, but uh, Todd Whitehead, who is part of Synergy uh, Basketball, which is basically uh, an analytics company, Mm-hmm. that runs data for a bunch of basketball teams and I guess they provide other services. Anyways, that's not here nor there. But they made a list of uh, the players that make their teammates' shots easier and the players that make their opponent's shots more difficult. Um, number one player in the current NBA, obviously, that makes their shots more difficult for their opponents, uh, do you want to guess... Who might that might be? Rudy Gobert. Correct. So wow. he saves approximately his team uh, two point four points per uh, hundred shots per hundred shots. I think that's yeah. 
it's interesting. Like, I'm a little surprised, but not fully surprised just because of like the presence down low. Like you think someone's so tall and so wide from a wingspan like that, like it's hard to get a shot off, you know I mean? In a, yeah. in a sense, when you're just, you're going against that. So hey, shout out Synergy Basketball. That's a great statistic. That's something that, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, that's a good thing to know. So it is uh, Rudy Gobert, number two. I, I was number two and three. I was shocked. Let's uh, hear it. It's Al Horford. Number two. Al Horford, number two? Wow. And number three is Clay Thompson. Wow. And if you go further down the list, it's, you know, you would not have fed any of these names. Uh, Denny Avidia, Gary Payton II, Lindy uh, Waters, Jason Tatum, Kerrick Williams, Alex Caruso, so on and so on and so on. But, you know, there's no Marcus Smart. There's no Drew Holiday. Uh, you know, this defensive-minded players. But obviously, this is, I guess, I... I there's an entire article which I'll send you. Like I think, oh, I'll you, to see I think it. Yeah. you'll find it very interesting on the metrics and how they measured it. Um, but I think they were just focusing on you know are they making it tougher? Not necessarily that they're locking the, the, mm-hmm. the opponent down, which is something that maybe a Marcus Smart and Drew Holiday do more and uh, uh, more consistently, where they force the opponent to pass the ball versus blocking or making the shot more difficult. Um, are you curious? Does it work if I tell you who the top three that make it easier for teammates to get shots? Oh, I have to hear. It. Let, let, let's hear these. Uh, do you any guesses on who the number one I'm is? Gonna, a point guard. I was just happening against James Harden. Uh, no, 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 no James he, Harden. James Harden is number four on the list, okay. so he makes it easier for his teammates. Uh, it's a point guard on the Western Conference and. His team and the player uh, are still in the playoffs. Uh, John Morant? No, point guard. Like a, a true, oh. not true, but a point guard nonetheless. Western Conference still in the playoffs. Uh, true point guard uh, in a sense. Stephen Curry? Nope. No. No? Uh, let's go over here. Uh, kind of playing through for that as well, too. Chris Paul? Uh, no. His opponent on that series. Uh, I mean, I guess are, are they considering Luca a point guard in the in the yeah. there too? Luca yeah, yeah. Doncic, yeah. Luka Doncic. Wow. Doncic number one. Your son. My son Luca. Yes, he's <laughs> making me. He better make me proud tonight. Um, Trey Young at number two. Okay. LeBron James at number three. James Harden, and then uh, Jokic, Paul George, Steph Curry, Lamelo, KD, so on and so on and so on. And so on. Uh, Kyrie makes an appearance on the list. Marcus Smart makes an appearance on the list. Kyle Lowry makes an appearance on the list. Uh, and Draymond Green makes an appearance on the list. Wow. Look at this. Whoever is like the, the yeah, like I'm going back to the list of, for, for the challenging one that you had at the beginning right there too, like Denny Avija and those, like get your agents in contact with this company because it, it, 100%. This is, you, you need to do, they need to promote this right there too. Like say, hey, look at this as you're going into the contracts. Oh, 100%. You know, I, I would hire these guys to, you know, give me like a report on my performance. Obviously, if it's, you know, I would pay them to just highlight the, the positives. You know, one of those crazy stats that we sometimes see on TV that, you know, I'll, everyone aged 34 that was born in February 13, I'm, you know, the player with the highest points. And I'll be like, hey, hey. these are stats. You, my you name's in the history yeah. books here. I, you cannot fight the numbers. They're real. 
when when when, when the, the beginning of February comes around, you at least want me on a 10-day contract. Like, yeah. sign, sign me up in there. The amount of players born on February 13th that score more than two points, this guy. This yeah, guy right here. <laughs> Wonderful stats. Shout out uh, Synergy Basketball. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll send you that, that article, Blake. It, it's really, really interesting. Uh, see it. All right, let's go back to the playoffs to wrap it up with the, the outstanding series. And we find, and which I appreciate that uh, your Heat is playing right now as we speak against the Sixers. Uh, I don't know if you have it there on the screen. It is you. right here to my right hand. I am actually staring at it as we speak. <laughs> Uh, so there's about a minute left before the Miami Heat are about to move on to the conference finals yet again. Woo! How do we feel, Blake? Oh, we we are ecstatic, Rod. This is the moment that we live for right here, too. I am so happy. Uh, it's been hard because as, as we are recording this uh, for our listeners, right at the time, as Rod said, as the Heat and the Sixers are, are finishing up game number six, so a, a little under a minute now. So I've been really glancing over quite a bit to check this out. So I am feeling good. So now I just need the Celtics to win so, so I can go to the playoffs. And, I mean, the... How do you feel about the, the last two, you know, those two games that I, I even texted you? I had to, you know, I, I think it was game three that I was like, what the hell happened? But that was not the Miami Heat that we've been seeing in the playoffs. I mean, granted, the, the, the Hawks were not necessarily a, a challenge, mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I reach, uh, I, and be returning from a concussion and a face mask and you know he was he wasn't even this close to play the game until actual goal time uh, and then they totally dominated the game uh, a similar story in game four but then you know the miami heat found their rhythm yet again yeah it's it's been a it's been a great series to watch obviously as well too uh you know from a a, a fan's perspective obviously the miami heat you know definitely a great start, you know, game one and two through there too, obviously very dominant fashion. But again, as you mentioned, Joel Embiid was not playing those games. And obviously someone that, uh, you know, arguably should have been MVP, depending on how you look at it as well too, you know, such a difference maker throughout that as well too. And he came back, obviously you saw the difference he made. They won both games there in, in Philly and obviously really turned the tide. And as a fan, I was definitely nervous. And like you mentioned, we were texting, they laid a goose egg when they were there in Philly that the heats were, were not the team, the number one seed in the Eastern conference that they are throughout that too. They just did not play well, could not shoot it very well. Um, Kyle Riley obviously has not been playing, so that's been a, a big thing, but they've gotten great production since then from guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, like, uh, by the way, the Heat do such a good job at developing players that you, you normally don't think of as well, too, and kind of unheralded names, and which has been a great, especially just for the team, but the chemistry as well. I was going to say, you know, so much has been said about Duncan Robinson maybe not having a great year or a great couple of years now that, you know, when I look back and look at Strews, uh, at Vincent, I go like, hold on, where did these guys come from again? Like, they sort of sneak up on the uh on the lineup and they've been playing really well for the heat they have yeah obviously been doing very well and you know oladipo who obviously is a name many people know but you know he's played well you know kind of coming yeah. off the bench at, at times like he's really had a good spark and made a difference there as well too tyler hero six man of the year obviously playing extremely well too so um so yeah I, i've been happy but I, I will say obviously as a as a as a basketball fan 
I do think if Joel Embiid was not hurt, uh, especially at the beginning of the series, it would have certainly been a different kind of aspect. It would have been much more closer, in my opinion. And obviously, having someone like that missing and kind of injured and obviously kind of playing but still toughing through it is a big loss for the Sixers. So would have loved just from a competitive standpoint to kind of see him still playing and to the, the capability he can. But, yeah, it's uh, obviously happy as a fan to see them move on. I, I definitely feel bad for the Sixers because, you know, seeing Embiid going down after the, the Raptor series and the difference that he made in game three, uh, it was just hard to, you know, as a, as a fan, as a Sixers fan, it must be hard to process that, you know, what could have been, right, if Embiid was fully healthy. But also, you know, after Harden sort of give us a vintage performance of game four, I wonder, you know, it definitely it took – uh, a superhuman effort from Embiid, obviously coming back from injury, that's why I'm saying superhuman, uh, but it did take a vintage James Harden to steal a game, and I just don't think that James Harden has that in him anymore. Like, Can he definitely be influential in a couple of games? Absolutely. Can he be a facilitator? Can he still have a, a very prominent role in the team? Yes, but he's not going to carry the team every game anymore. So I still don't know if the Sixers have all the right pieces to make it to the conference finals. And I mean, they're about to, you know, have another early exit, or well, fairly early exit from the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if these Sixers are still together and Doc Rivers still the coach next year. Agreed. But I will say there is a star in the making in Tyrese Maxey. What a pl- what a oh, player God, he yes. is. He is, I mean, obviously played incredible, uh, you know, just with, throughout the playoffs as well, too. In, in my opinion, I mean, obviously Joel Embiid, you know, was dominant, you know, for the first round and obviously to the point, too. But really overshadowed James Harden as well, too. Tyrese Maxey, just his play, like without him, would have been a lot tougher for them throughout that as well, too. So we're starting to see, I feel like, a star being born there alongside someone like a Joel Embiid. Yeah, no, Maxey had a, an incredible playoffs run. Um, you know, I, I can already see the chat around James Harden. Uh, his contract that, you know, I think he's got still a player option and or... Yeah, when it comes to contract negotiation, I it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, and where he ends up as well. I, I don't see him moving away from the Sixers, especially after, you know, requested to be traded from the Rockets, requested to be traded from the Nets. Oh. You don't want to request another trade. No. If he does that, I feel like that that's just unfortunately putting a big tarnish on his career because then nobody would want to kind of play alongside him from that yeah. too if he does that again. So for his best interest, I hope he doesn't do that. And I feel for Embiid, honestly, you know, I, I think a couple of years ago and even during the, the Raptors championship run, I don't think I was his number one supporter just because I thought he was, he was just a big troll. But, you know, he's definitely sort of kept his mouth shut. I, I don't mind the, the, you know, the trolling part, but I didn't think that, you know, he was focused on getting better. And I've, I've seen that the past two years. So I feel bad for him for, you know, having to go through the Ben Simmons situation. And now, you know, being promised a James Harden that is just not there anymore. Uh, but, you know, he's got some young talent that maybe can take him further, hopefully. I just, yeah, I feel for the guy, honestly. And obviously not getting MVP. Uh, I, I like how he said, congrats to Jokic, he earned it, but the system is rigged. And I'm like, all right, yeah, he's upset. And he deserves to be upset. 
I was going to say too, does the difference he made, obviously, you know, as we are closing out this, uh, this, this recording later on, just uh, with, with the Sixers now eliminated, but does his impact, especially seeing how they flip the switch games three and four, as a fan, do you think that it, the value of him, what he means to his team kind of mean, shows that he should have won MVP? Or do you think Jokic was, was kind of the, uh, the clear winner in your mind of, for the MVP this year? I, oh, that's such a good question. I mean, to me, Jokic deserved the MVP. Um, and that's why I, I, there must be, I don't, I don't know if you heard the news and, you know, everyone listening that, you know, there's another uh, two MVP trophies added to uh, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals named after Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. So, but I wonder, should there be a playoffs MVP but then if you have an early exit, but you have a fantastic run, how do you measure that? Yep. I, I definitely, you know, feel bad for Embiid. Um, I'm not upset at Jokic getting it though, because really the different without Jokic, I don't the, the Nuggets wouldn't have made the playoffs. Without right. Embiid, maybe the Sixers would have been in the playing tournament. Maybe. Versus the Nuggets, I think they would be bottom of the of the Western Conference. No Jamal yeah. Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. Um, I, yeah, I think that's for me kind of the thing too. I, I and again, I completely agree. And, and you can't go wrong. Again, Jokic, yeah. just his season statistic wise, I think he's he's got that as well too. Some people say the eyeball test with Embiid, just how he played, and obviously the Sixers kind of going through from that. But to your point, and I agree with that as well too. I think the Sixers without Embiid. Uh, for me, depending on when, probably in my mind, wouldn't have made the playoffs, depending on, say, they had no Ben Simmons or they didn't have James Harden. Like, I'm envisioning there is no James yet, and and Ben didn't play um, from that as well, too. But to your point, and I feel like a lot of people don't talk about this as well, too, when they're doing that comparison, like, Jokic and the Nuggets, like, went the whole year without someone like Jamal Murray, you know, uh, who obviously is an incredible player and a big difference. And, you know, he obviously kind of helped him get to the sixth seed, uh, you know, in the playoffs as well, too, continue to play very well. So, yeah, definitely would not have made the playoffs without him. So, yeah, but I wouldn't have argued with someone if, if Embiid obviously won that as well, too. But I do think Jokic was deserving of that. I, I do feel for Embiid because, you know, he's had that crossroads in his career with, like, okay, what else do I need to do? To get more votes, mm-hmm. um, and then you know he he mentioned uh, Bill Simmons, you know, getting a vote, and you know after saying you know uh, screw Jalen Green on his podcast, which you know he's entitled to his opinion, but yeah, I mean you're supposed to be uh, it's not neutral at least you know pragmatic when it comes to voting, uh, and he has a vendetta. It seems he made it personal, right? So. I, I don't know. I, I really feel for him. I'm, I'm definitely he, he here in a spot in my heart uh, and be this, this year. Hopefully, good, hopefully he can, you know, maybe this narrative helps him next year because, you know, we, oh, we already know that Jokic is not going to win for a third time. It would take, you know, the Nuggets to be the number one team in the NBA. It would uh, have to. And for him to put up, you know, impossible numbers to win it again. Similar to Yanis, right? Like, border fatigue, let's move on. You got to call it a day. So uh, maybe, agree. maybe in beat, but then again, you have players like Luca, like, like Trey, uh, Devin Booker, um, Steph, still Steph mm-hmm. Curry, that you know, K- KD, yeah, KD, yes, um, yeah. So 
I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for him to win an MVP or if he'll ever win it. So. Get to that. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our last series of the playoffs, of the second round of the playoffs. Uh, the Mavericks versus the Suns. And uh, it's been fun, you know, especially the rivalry between Luca and Devin Booker. You know, they really don't like each other, or so it seems. Maybe there's some deep respect off the court, but once the ball goes up, those two definitely don't like each other. Uh, but Blake, do you think the Mavs are done? They're playing the Suns, or the game has started actually. So, uh, what's your what's your take on this uh, on this series? So it's been a good series to watch. Uh, it's definitely been an entertaining one to say the least as well too. Like you said, I think we're seeing a a rivalry being built uh, between the two teams, especially with Luca and, and Devin Booker. It's been fun to see them kind of battling it out as well too. I don't think the Mavs are done in terms of this evening. I actually think uh, as the game, as you said, it's going on as we speak. I do think the Mavericks are going to pull out the win tonight as well, too. And it's going to go to game seven, which would be great as a basketball fan. That would be awesome. Uh, which would be amazing, especially with this this series the way it has been as well, too. But uh, but then I think that uh, Phoenix will kind of close it out at home in, in game seven from there as well, too. Um, but yeah, been a fun one to watch. The, the home team has won every game uh, from this, too. So if the trend continues again, Again, the Mavs would win tonight as well, too. So don't think they're done just yet, but I do think Phoenix still has the edge in the series. I think this is a good test for the Suns, you know, to finish it off on the road. Uh, the Mavs, you know, are definitely a good team. Don't get me wrong. And, and look at my son. He's been great. But I think, you know, if the Suns want to cement their position as, you know, the team to beat in the West, they should take this one. They, they should not allow for this to go to game seven because, you know, the worst thing that could happen here is to give this weird maps group any slight of hope. Uh, oh, yeah. Having, yeah. you know, players like Kellen Brunson, who I feel like the incredible under the radar, he's been incredible in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Luca that can go off any night and, you know, he does so consistently. You know, it's just as you know, a scrappy bunch versus the Suns that are the dominant team in the West. Uh, they should, you know, I'm not saying they should be a statement win and win by 39, but they, you know, if they really want to say like, hey, you know, the road to the championship is through us, they better close off the series today. Even if they go to game seven, I would be, whoever comes out of the Warriors and uh, lose the series, I'd be like, hey, you know, you have a real chance against this sounds like they go to game seven. Oh, absolutely. For, for sure. And, and, uh, you know, I'm a little surprised too, like just how well the Mavericks have been playing. And like, and I, and I say that, like, when you look at their roster, I mean, and, and you can say this about, you know, my Miami heat, you know, like other than Luca, I mean, they, I mean, they have great players, but you don't have that like name that pops out at you, you know, like, yeah, have- exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, they're all great players and they play really well together. I mean, they were the fourth seed in the Western Conference this year. And like, but looking at the roster, you know, that's not something that you would necessarily expect. But guys like, again, Jalen Brunson stepping up did so well, obviously, throughout this year as well, too. Norman Powell, you know, he's, he's obviously kind of played well throughout the season, too. But, um, but yeah, so a bit of a surprise. Like, looking at that matchup, you think that, you know, Phoenix may 
cut a sweep or, you know, maybe lose a game here, but just the Mavs have been very competitive and I enjoy seeing that too. You know, I, I, I love Luca as a player, so it's been fun to kind of see him there too. And, you know, if he's going to stay in Dallas, you know, let's see how they perform and obviously the talent around him. But, um, but yeah, I completely agree with your, your statement too, just around the Suns. Like you, you want to close this out now to really show that you're the team to beat obviously in the West. Well, we'll see what happens later today. By the time that this goes out, we'll, you know, we'll have either uh, the first team on the West to go to the conference finals, or we'll have to wait another day and get a, a, a game seven, which I sure hope. So I'm rooting for game seven now. Uh, Evans was right. I know what he's talking about now. The man of wisdom. Yeah. The Zen master is, was right. It's all about patience. <laughs> it's all about patience. And not having a horse in the race, I guess. Absolutely. All right, Blake. Well, anything else on the playoffs? Anything else you you want our listeners to to hear before you know we wrap this up? It's been a fun playoffs. Been enjoying seeing all the all the great games. So let let's see what happens. Especially a tip off just happened between Phoenix through there as well. So if Devin Booker and team can close it out, but fun episode again. So happy to be back. And we're happy to have you back, Blake. As always, for anyone that is listening, make sure that you follow us on Instagram at Dropping.Dimes. Make sure that you follow our content. Uh, make sure that if you want to get in touch with us, send us a DM. That's the best, fastest way to get a hold of any of us. Go to our Facebook page, go to our website to listen to the 100 plus episodes that we have out now. Make sure that you go to themerchclub.ca.com. Hold on, I forgot what was the... <laughs> that's on me that's on me uh, it's the merchclub.ca to get your dropping dimes merch uh tell us what other merch we should get up uh we would love to make it for you we would love to for you to wear dropping dimes and rep us and you know be happy with the products as well uh, until then this is the dropping dimes crew signing off peace love hoops adios Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.